0: hello hello and welcome to the no notes podcast my name is morgan
1: my name is jd
0: and today we are tackling the subject of objectivity versus subjectivity
1: your favorite movie versus the best movie I like to think about it. Yes.
0: Um this is a sensitive subject. I've learned a lot of people I've had conversations with my coworkers where they're like you can't objectively rate a film. It's impossible. Everything is subjective, which is kind of true. But is it? Let's find out. So <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start out with just straight definitions. Miriam objective style. versus subjective which I need to pull up. What's your definition of objective?
1: Uh, subjectively, I think objectivity. <laughs> I mean, when I think of something that's objective, it's it's true, it is measurable. Okay. Uh, when I think of something that's subjective, more opinionated, like there are certain standards that something has to meet, like a certain threshold of quality. And if it passes that threshold of quality, then it has objective merit. is mm. kind of how I think about it.
0: So for objective, we have something that everyone can agree on, not influenced by personal feelings or opinions. And subjective is just the opposite, influenced by personal feelings and opinions. Yeah.
1: Something that I, I mean, you think about food a lot. I'm, I'm mm. kind of a picky eater. Uh, I really There are a few things that I hate. Shrimp, hate them. Caramel, hate it. Um, and you know, I can acknowledge you can objectively prepare shrimp really well. And I'm yeah. still not going to like it. <laughs> I, <didn't> think, <laughs> I think shrimp is gross. Um, you can objectively make like the tastiest dessert, you know, True. go on Great British Bake Off. But mm-hmm. if it's caramel based, I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. I think it's gross. Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, all right. So when you are doing your ratings, yes. First of all, do you rate every single movie you watch?
1: I rate most movies I watch. You okay. know, follow me on Letterboxd. I'm at that other Joshua. <laughs> uh, but every time I watch a movie, I, I enjoy giving it a rating. Yeah.
0: Do you do star rating and also a written out rating, or you just I just would
1: star it? I typically write reviews. I've gotten when I first downloaded Letterboxd, I would write. Really thought out opinions on the movie justifying my rating. Yeah. Now, like I think when I watch the menu, I just re- I just wrote like yes chef as my review. Yeah, <laughs> but I uh, so I I but I try to rate every movie and then I have like a a long list where I rate every movie I've seen. I like you know like I rate all the movies I watch each month mm-hmm. um, from worst to best. Yeah, I, I keep up with uh, scores for movies pretty significantly. Do you?
0: I am obsessive about it. It is a problem. I rate every single movie I write a review for every single movie a lot of times I do like a quick review that's funny or just a thought and then I have a list on Letterboxd, follow me, that is every single movie I have ever seen in my entire life with a star rating and an actual review written not completely done but it's always in progress Um, and I try to keep my ratings on a bell curve like that's how closely I watch it if I have I should have the most three-star ratings and then less two and a half three and a half and then as it goes down so like the least amount of movies is in the five-star category and the half-star category yeah so if I get where I'm like oh I really like all these movies I'm giving everything five stars like I push some of them down to four and a half yeah so
1: interesting I I take it very seriously (laughs) If you look at my letterbox, you will notice a bell curve, but the peak is three and a half, and the mm-hmm. and the other two highest are four and three. So like it it, yeah, it peaks yeah. to me, it peaks at the wrong place. Yeah. Because but I also think that
0: you if, have to demote some people. Then you I have, have to demote people.
1: <laughs> if you look at my letterbox, you would see three and a half and four are the two highest, mm. and like four and then three is next. But four and a half is probably higher than two and a half, mm. or equivalent to two and a half. Yeah. Like I, I tend to rate movies very positively just I don't know, especially like movies. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is what, like, what kind of begs the question is, you know, when I'm rating a movie, like what kind of things go into it that mm-hmm. make me give it this rating? And that's kind of what we want to discuss today. Yes.
0: So what is like your thought process? You watch a movie, you sit down, you're about to write a review. What is like running through your head? Which parts of it are you thinking about?
1: So when I think about movies, like movies that are my favorites that I enjoy the most, there's certain qualities. I mean, I love a great score. It's something I'm always looking for. Mm-hmm. I love character development. To me, if a movie has a weaker story but excellent characters, I'm going to rate that movie a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, and I, you know, I like if I had like it's beautiful cinematography, if it's, you know, I notice like it's excellently edited, if it's excellently edited, mm-hmm. or if I notice, <laughs> oh, the lighting's not so good here, and like I'm noticing some just you know choppy editing or what i think is poor direction or poor acting i'm going to tend to move towards how the characters were done above anything else and so yeah. when i'm thinking about what i want to rate a movie i notice some i think objective measurable things of quality mm-hmm. and i take that into consideration but what i mostly based my rating on is how much did I like this? How much did it do the things that I want a movie to do?
0: Mm-hmm. I tend to really care about how I feel afterwards. Yeah. Which I try not to, but like, but. I, I find it very hard to enjoy a tragedy. Yes. If something oh, like is sad and it ends bad, why would i enjoy it
1: um objectively
0: it's like wow that was great and so there's things that go into it where i pay a lot of attention to pacing
1: Mm.
0: i think being of a younger generation TikTok generation Mm -hmm. um i really don't like watching a slow slow movie a slow burn is different than a slow movie i I enjoy a slow burn because it's paced correctly and it builds and so i think My, like, top three is, was it paced well? Was it beautiful? Um, I'm very much a character over story person. I love a character. Um, but I also care, like, what it's saying. If it's saying anything, it matters yeah. to me. But um, as someone who also, like, went to film school and, you know, like has been in classes, like, graded for giving objective reviews of someone's like editing, like I was in an editing class, you know, you got to say like this, and so I take those into account, and I think they're very important, um, but I also like to keep in mind, like, you know, this person had a billion dollars to make this movie, and this person had 20, so their cinematography and lighting might not be quite up there, Mm -hmm. but I try to keep it all kind of in balance, um, which is impossible, which is why it kind of all turns subjective eventually, yep,
1: but I think you're right, yeah, you can watch the work of a masterful director. You can Mm. watch Citizen Kane, maybe, and Mm. notice the command that Orson Welles has over the camera. is just masterful. But then, you know, you could also go watch some, like, cheesy, like, watch, like, Creep or something that's, like, on a shoestring budget. Mm -hmm. But for what it is, it excels. And even if it's not as masterfully directed as something like, I don't know, like Chinatown or whatever, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it like, for what it is, it excels. And because it's not trying to do anything more than that I want to give it a really high score for excelling at, at what it's done. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, how much I enjoy it. I think I really love The Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah. Which uh, the first time I watched that movie, I was laughing my butt off. I thought it was amazing. You <laughs> Be- like awesome animation, really funny jokes. And I gave it five stars. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I just felt so great after watching it. Mm-hmm. And I've rewatched it several times since. And I think I've lowered it a half star just about every time because yeah. I'm starting <laughs> to see like the cracks in the it movie wears that down. It wears <laughs> down. But at the same time I still have that great feeling after I watch it like yeah. I just watched a great movie because for what it was trying to do which is really just purely entertain you with excellent animation and a, and a nice story yeah. it excels I also
0: try to keep in mind Going into a movie, how am I feeling? How has the trailer affected how I'm going to feel about this? Is there an actor I really like in it?
1: Yeah. You know,
0: like going into the Batman, am I only going to love this because Robert Pattinson is the Batman? <laughs> um, there's just so many things that affect, like, how you rate a movie. Mine yes. changes constantly. I, like, look at my list and I'll just scroll through it and it's, like, number 312. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't belong. I'll move it down, like, two. Like, no one cares. <laughs> I don't even care that much. But exactly. It just changes every single time I think about it. Every time you watch a movie, it changes.
1: But You're right. So many factors externally go into how you appreciate
0: it. Yeah. You, get, yeah, you, yeah. Had,
1: you had a crappy day, you watch a movie. If it's not that good, or even if it's really good, it might give it a lower score. You've had a great day, you watched a terrible movie, but you enjoyed it because yeah. you're with people that you like, you know? Like, oh, yeah. So many things can influence it. Definitely. It's definitely. so hard to separate, like, the objective quality from, you know, subjective enjoyment. Yes. Great
0: segue, because that's exactly what we're going to try to do today is separate what's
1: objective and what is
0: objective. I can't even remember which one I said (laughs) um, first. So we have written down kind of the things that we put into our rating of a movie. And we have a line in front of us on the left is subjective and on the right is objective. And we're going to take these and kind of place them on how objective is this thing and how subjective is it. Um, I guess all of this is technically subjective because it's our opinion of how objective it is, <laughs> yeah. but just for...
1: We're going to try to be <laughs> as objective as it is possible to be when yes, discussing this. Yes. Um, thinking about like the artistic things that a movie yes. can do well versus the stylistic things that mm. we prefer more.
0: So let's start with objective. Like, What's the most objective thing you can like, rate in a movie?
1: Mm. I think... It would be the 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 big two for me are editing and cinematography that's exactly what i was gonna say sweet okay so let's let's do editing first um if a movie is so i think i mentioned this briefly on our last podcast but the first hunger games movie Mm. i hate because i think it's (laughs) terribly edited yeah no single shot in that movie lasts for longer than like five or ten seconds mm. it's constantly, it's chopping back and forth um it's coming from really strange angles and it feels almost disorienting to watch i've seen the movie a few times and I, yeah. I i watched it all the way through the first time and i've turned it off i think every other time because poor editing can disorient you in a really bad way and so mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot for a movie to have good editing yeah but then if a movie i notice like is exceptionally edited mm-hmm. i'm gonna think a lot better of it. yeah
0: that's how I kinda of think like good editing is just everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, breaking any one eighty rules when you're not supposed to. Obviously, rules are meant to be broken. It's art. Yeah. Um But like
1: everyone's in their proper third and everything yes. like the horizons position nicely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it like those stories literally make sense. Yeah.
1: Everything <laughs> flows and it's easy to understand. I feel
0: like I've seen movies where um What's the one example everyone uses? Uh, Passengers, where mm. it's like it could have been edited in a different like yeah way Did of telling the
1: story and it's a this million year, times better. The new the new David O. Russell Amsterdam with Christian Bale and Margot Robbie. No. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> but I think there was a good movie in there that was completely dismantled in the edit. Yeah. And another example would be Suicide Squad, the original one, also oh, with Margot yes. Robbie. Yeah. Um a movie that could have been something completely different, but then they took the footage and edited it in a weird way and
0: mm-hmm. it, like, yeah. Okay. So, how far along the line are we going to put editing?
1: I'm going to put it pretty far to objective. Probably think. thinking. Pretty pretty far to the right then, right?
0: Good like 15%. <laughs> yeah. And then cinematography is I think like you, you know when a movie is bad. Like your grandma knows when the cinematography is bad. Like she yeah. looks at it and is like, "This is flat. The
1: mm-hmm. colors
0: are terrible." Like you can tell when a movie is made cheap, and mo- a lot of it has to do with cinematography, which I'm going to include, like lighting and like yeah. set dressing. I feel yeah. like also has a lot to do with it. I um, think you're right. Very different category, but um, because yeah, I mean, if you're filming in a room with white walls, it's obviously not going to look good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: How much depth is there? How much color is there? How easy to interpret is the scene?
0: Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I
1: mean, a director's job isn't necessarily to line everyone up and blog everything, but cinematographer's job is to capture the scope of the scene. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I did do a a semester of film school. Um, (laughs) But, like, so when I think cinematography, it's beauty and legibility are the two keys in my head of cinematography.
0: And even just, like, telling the story of that shot. Yeah. Like, you know... We need to know where they're at. So you should start with a long shot. Mm-hmm. What's in the long... Like It's very simple things that... I feel like a lot of this um, is like every movie you're going to find good. If someone puts a million dollars into a movie that you go watch in the theater, like it's going to have good editing. It's going to have good cinematography. But yeah. it's definitely like that last 10% that makes it amazing will make that huge of a difference.
1: I completely agree.
0: So we'll just put cinematography... You think it's less or more, or right? I would right put with it, it slightly
1: less than editing. That's kind of what I'm thinking because, um, because there's a
0: style to it. That right. there's a lot of cinematography styles that
1: a lot of people like that I don't like. Yeah, I mean, think about a uh, you know Deakins, kind of the biggest name in cinematography. Yes. Later in 2049, he won his Oscar for 1917. I think he also won an Oscar for it, yes. but I'm pretty sure he did No Country for Old Men, which is mm-hmm. one of like I, one of my favorite movies cinematographically. <laughs> if That's a word. Because sure. I love how, like, bleak and kind of drained everything is, yet he really captures the beauty of the desert in mm-hmm. an interesting way, and also really creatively captures all of the emotions of each character. The movie is very deterministic. It's very, um, like, you know, sorrowful. Yeah. And he Deacons captures that really well. I'm, gosh, I hope that Deacons did. Oh, no, sure <laughs> all men. Um, I hope so. I'm pretty sure. Uh, not going to sound like a fool, but... Um, <laughs> He, whoever did the cinematography for No Country for Old Men, if it wasn't Deakins, captures like really creatively, you know, through these shots all of the emotions of the of the movie. Mm. So,
0: and then something that I think is pretty objective. Let me know if you disagree. Is mm-hmm. acting and directing, which I'm putting into one. Yeah, let's do it. Category. Um, Roger Deakins did do the cinematography for No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> um. Acting-directing is, like, the easiest thing to point out, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. objectively, that guy does not look sad right now. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty it's pretty obvious to me. I feel like it's super easy to objectively
1: point out bad acting. Absolutely. Um, and as much as it is an actor's job to convey the proper ambitions of the scene, it's a director's job to elicit them. True. And so bad acting, not always, but mm. sometimes, I think more often than not, is a result of poor directing. Oh, yeah. Because it's one thing to direct. I think... Um, A great example of this is the Jurassic World movies, Mm. which are, I think, Colin Trevorrow, the director of those, does really well to direct action, but is one of the worst directors of actors I've ever seen. Because every performance in those movies, Chris Pratt, Bryce Mm. Dallas Howard, Laura Dern, (laughs) Samuel, they're all flat and lifeless and colorless and bland. And there's no emotion or excitement in any of the performances. The movies themselves, I think, are pretty well directed, but the director... the directing of actors is yeah, abysmal great
0: i would put that closer to the most objective than editing yeah i think just because it's the easiest to point out like a lot of people can sit in a room and watch a scene and all and unanimously agree know. that was bad acting that yeah. was bad
1: directing. <laughs> no yeah let's uh i think that's fair great great
0: okay so let's move to the most subjective things
1: yes I think this is where we get into story and character, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Story is there's still like it's still obvious things that can make a bad story. There's yeah. a lot of layouts. There's charts that you learn about in your English class. Mm-hmm. There's a climax. There's a conclusion. Yeah. Um, so it is a little objective, but there's so many different ones. It's so easy to hate one of them and love another one.
1: You're right. Like one of like I think. You know, a story where like the whole thing is built on a lie Mm. and everyone slowly finds out the lie. is a story I personally despise. Or a story where one, like a conspiracy story where everyone thinks one person is crazy. Mm. Those annoy me so much. (laughs) Just to give two kind of off the cuff examples. Mm -hmm. There are so many different story types, so many story cliches. Yes. And there's so many different story styles and story structures. You can do any of them well and you can do any of them poorly. It's true.
0: I think um, like cabin fever is like yeah. a classic trope mm-hmm. and you either love it or you hate it. There's not a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I love The Shining or I hate The yeah. Shining.
1: You're right. Um, it's one or the other.
0: Yeah. But it is like a bad story. You know, doesn't make sense. Doesn't pay off for the amount that it builds up or. Exactly,
1: yeah. Sets things up and never pays them off.
0: Yes. You um, know, or
1: brings things out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the old drama rule of Chekhov's gun. Right, if you're going to use the gun in the third act, you showed in the first. If yes. you have a gun come out of nowhere, it's poor storytelling. Yeah, and obviously, you set up a gun in the first act and never bring it back. <laughs> you create the expectation and don't pay it off. Yeah, you're going to have some dissatisfaction.
0: And it's when those things happen not on purpose that yes. it's like this is bad. You know, yes. you can do it on purpose and with a good reason behind it, and it makes it even better. Yeah, but, I agree. So i'm feeling like story is like the 50 percent.
1: yeah i think that's fair it's right in the middle of our line Mm. character is definitely more on the subjective side right oh yeah
0: i think character has so much to do with just how you relate to other human beings which is so subjective to every single person
1: oh yeah like (laughs) i mean
0: And yet so important to whether or not you're going to like a movie.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Because there are good, relatable characters who you can be incredibly frustrated with. And some of this comes back to acting and directing as well. Mm. But, I mean, La La Land. I know you don't like La La Land. It's an example (laughs) of, you know, you're really endeared to the two protagonists. Mm. And you feel Mm. the things that they feel. And you understand their wants and desires because they're just incredibly well-developed characters. And even though the ending of that movie is... A little bit sad in some sense because, oh, like they are not end up together romantically. But also they achieve the things that they want. It's, it's just, a, I think, two excellent characters in that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And the story's fine and the music's good. But to me, that movie doesn't work if those two characters aren't as well developed and fleshed out as they are.
0: Yeah. I also think just how... You can tell a great story, you know, just... They're going on an adventure and this thing is happening. And if you put the wrong character in it, the story is bad. You put a character that doesn't have a good enough reason to care about it, or I can't think of a specific example, but it either makes or break it. Like you have a character in a situation, if they weren't like built for that situation, it's not as interesting to watch. No one wants to watch someone just barely go through something you know it's always like they gotta be really into it and they gotta have the development and yep yeah
1: no you're right uh i mean if a character starts the story one way and does not develop or change throughout the course of the story mm-hmm. it it almost feels wasted unless i mean you there's some exceptions to this like you know, we're talking about this with Avatar a little bit, because mm-hmm. they set up character development that's probably not going to be paid off until future movies. Mm-hmm. You see this a lot in big franchises, but for the most part of an individual movie, um, you know, I mean, even like something as simple as the first Jurassic Park to go back to that franchise. Mm. You know, how does the movie start? Alan Grant is kind of prickly and selfish and he hates kids. <laughs> and what happens over the course of the movie, he learns to care about other people and like kids. Yeah. Um, Very, very bluntly. But the reason Jurassic Park works is because each of the main characters is energetic, memorable, and mm-hmm. developed. Yeah. They start the story somewhere and they change over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, you know, you have Jeff Goldblum without a shirt on and other things <laughs> to make those characters really memorable. But part of what makes Jurassic Park so good is not just the story. The original Jurassic Park is not just that it has an exciting story, but it's that it has interesting, well-developed characters mm-hmm. that are you know shown to us from the beginning, taken the time to flesh out, and then when they're in the exciting circumstances, we feel more because of how we feel about those characters and the time that Spielberg and the actors took at the beginning of the story to get us invested. Yeah, exactly. And so you can enjoy Jurassic Park just as a pure action movie, but it, doesn't, it wouldn't be the classic that it is if it wasn't for the characters. Very true.
0: So how subjective do we think characters are?
1: I think it's more to the left, for sure. Because... Mm-hmm. I don't think that everyone feels this way. Having talked to other people, I think yeah,
0: a lot of people just don't care. A lot of people just don't care exactly. Yeah. Um, or they relate to people easier, like all kinds of people easier, and it makes it easier to just pay attention to the story and not as much as the character. So. Yeah, you're
1: right. And some people, when they want, when they go to watch a movie, they don't really want to see character development.
0: You know, mm-hmm. They want to
1: see some. They want to see yeah. something like exciting action. Um, yeah. they want to see more like the Jurassic World than the Jurassic Park. And so I think this is on the more subjective side because you're going to get characters like movies that are character studies, like Taxi Driver, or even Joker is a you know more, much more of a yeah. character study than it is a story piece, um, and they're <laughs> slower and more methodical and more thought out, and some people really like that, and some people really don't.
0: Cool. So we'll put it at like eighty percent subjective. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's yeah. fair. Cool.
0: And then I think the last one we should do is the style
1: this is for sure the most subjective right yeah
0: I think so Um, but there is like well I don't know I don't know if there is bad style really I feel like you think of like fashion okay you know like you know obviously everyone has their own individual like that is bad style yeah but I would never wear that but somebody out there likes it it's true so even when you watch a movie you know like I hate like noir hate
1: like
0: i know i don't not like the story but like like literally literal black and white like stylistically noir this is just boring to me i don't love mysteries Uh, that's tough but that doesn't mean it's a bad style i just don't
1: like it it's just yeah i understand when i when i think of style my mind goes immediately to directors like edgar wright or Wes yes. Anderson would be a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Everything Wes Anderson makes is very much within his own style. And yeah. Framework. Like you look at one um, frame
0: and like.
1: You can immediately tell, okay, this who is a Wes Anderson. Made
0: that movie. Movie. Yes. It's,
1: everything's very parallel, um, everything's very even, everything's very idiosyncratic and colorful. Mm-hmm. It's it's obviously a Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Coen brothers, I think. Edgar yes. Wright, you look at Baby Driver or Hot Fuzz or even um, Last Night in Soho, where everything is kind of hyper stylized. Mm-hmm. Um, it it all pops. It's a little bit larger than life. Mm-hmm. Uh, same in Wes Anderson. It's like it takes place just outside of reality. You yeah. uh, also think
0: of like whole companies. Like you can look at a movie yeah. and you're like, "That's Disney's animation. That's Pixar's animation." Yeah,
1: yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the style just has so much subjectivity in it. Of, yeah, because just, what do you like? What do you not like? It's, it, exactly. That's like, really all it is.
1: <laughs> I. I love Baby Driver. I think mm-hmm. Baby Driver is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> and if but if you don't vibe with the style of that movie, the way all of the action is kind of synced up to the music, which it's mm-hmm. just I think it's just really, really cool. Um, but if you don't vibe with the style, yeah. you're not gonna like the movie as much. True. True. Think about period pieces, is another one. Oh, if you yeah don't enjoy this because most period pieces look the same. Oh yeah. I think I think I can say that objectively, but you know, think about like the Cure Knightly Pride and Prejudice, you know, or yes. like so many others from that era. If you don't enjoy like a Regency period piece, mm-hmm. they're all filmed the same way. Mm-hmm. If you don't enjoy that, you're not going to enjoy most others. Very true, very true. Um, so,
0: all right. So our list we've got the most subjective is style. Yeah. Second most subjective is character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Our middle ground was story. Yeah. And then on the objective side, we've got in order from least to most objective cinematography, editing, acting, and directing. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's fairly good. I feel like that's pretty much what I follow when I'm reading a movie as well. When I'm like, if someone asks me if I like a movie, I'm like, well, this was really good about it. And I usually start with the objective and yeah. then, but I didn't like it because of this reason.
1: Yeah. And I think if you want to go back to our very first podcast that we did, you know, like a <laughs> half a year ago, you would see our favorite movies that we talked about a lot of times, when I was thinking about my favorite movies, like yeah. The Florida Project, um, <laughs> you know, The Departed, they're more stylistic. Yeah. They're more like heavy on style. Baby Driver is like in the like, kind of more on style and character than it is on just a really good story. Um, and there are technical aspects that are good, but you know, some movies like I watched The Founder the other day, the mm. Michael Keaton yes. biopic, The Founder. Yes. The movie has no style whatsoever. It's bland <laughs> and it's like kind of like, kind of boring. Everything is just shot the most basic way it could be, edited the most yeah. basic way it could be. It's the most passable movie I've ever seen. There's no style, and then you look at something like Baby Driver. It's, it's like it got energy and it pops and it's dynamic and it's different. Mm. Uh, and to me, if a movie does that and it does it in a way that I vibe with, I'm giving it a higher score. Yeah. Than yeah. <laughs> the Founder, which I think I give two and a half stars. Yeah. Because I was like middle the road, you know. Um, you did a lot, but you didn't do anything particularly well, or you know, Baby Driver, the, there's some story beats that I think are a little bit weaker, but because of how well fleshed out the characters are and because of how much the style just works for me, mm. how compelling I find it, how entertaining I find it, mm-hmm. I rate Baby Driver a lot higher. Oh, yeah.
0: And we're back with the wonderful question. Can you appreciate something without enjoying it? Yes or no? Yes, you can. I say no.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, so, do you want to lay out mean. your case and then Depends what
0: appreciate oh. means. I mean, I can <laughs> I can point out like, oh, that was made well, but I don't think I don't think I can like with good heart recommend something that I did not just genuinely enjoy to somebody. Hmm. Okay. I think I care too much about like the point of experiencing art. Yeah. Is to at least somewhat enjoy it, relate to it. And so if I don't, even if I know it's objectively good, I don't, I like, I don't know. I don't think Hmm. I appreciate it. I'm like, ah, you should have just made it for me more that's your own fault <laughs> you maybe it's maybe i'm just selfish that's the problem <laughs> i don't
1: think there's anything wrong with being a selfish movie viewer though yeah i mean we we watch movies because we love them right i you know and we talk about movies because we love to talk about movies and if i watch a movie that i can realize is objectively really well done but oh so here's an interesting example have you ever seen being john malkovich no, that movie, I think, I think it's a really good movie. But gosh, I never want to watch it again. <laughs> like I, I may, maybe it was like the headspace I was in when I watched it. But I just did not have a good time. But it was very weird and trippy and stylistically interesting. Mm. But it also had just a lot of very odd elements. Like Cameron Diaz was locked in a monkey cage at one point in the movie, Classic. and like John Cusack. It was a puppeteer professionally. It was just almost too odd for its own good, I thought. Mm. And even though it had interesting ideas, I just didn't find myself really enjoying it or being really captivated by any of it. And so, while I can sit here and say, like, I think this movie is well directed. I think it's interesting. I think its style, I think it is, its its style is there. Like, Mm. it's not bland. Um, the acting is good. All these things, like the markers of objective quality, an interesting screenplay that has like a complete story from beginning to end with logical payoff. Like the conclusion of the story is rewarding. Um, you know, you see bad characters get comeuppance in a satisfying way. And it does all these things that I think are objectively good, but I watched being John Malkovich, I was like, this is just not for me. <laughs> and so I think I can appreciate what, you know, um... I think it was Spike Jones directed it, and it's a Charlie Kaufman script. I know. Um, I don't. I think Spike Jones directed it. I can appreciate what they did, but at the same time, I did not enjoy myself watching that movie once. Yeah, a while. Yeah. Um, and so I think yes, you know, you can you can look at the the things we say are objective, and even the things we say are subjective, and notice that they've been done without, and I'd, and appreciate that, and maybe even recommend. Be like, I think this is a good movie. It's just not a movie I enjoyed.
0: Interesting yeah i think my example of something that is objectively very good and i subjectively hate it and will never watch it again is whiplash
1: which is just like a dagger in my back
0: yeah everyone loves whiplash every (laughs) every man loves whiplash (laughs) (laughs) it like it is it is paste it's one of my favorite like edit thrown together i just think it's beautiful i think it is so interesting to watch mm-hmm. it has the perfect amount of buildup to just like itch my brain like
1: tension unlike anything you've ever seen especially the first yes. time i watched
0: it it's so good i it's not beautiful but i really like the way it looks um
1: it's simple cinematography but it gets yes. the job done in a really like it's just good cinematography <laughs> like yeah nothing exceptional but so
0: something that's like it's objectively very good i think i gave it a pretty high rating considering how much I did not enjoy it on my letterbox. Um, But I just, I hate the story. I hate the character. I hate what it says about how you should feel about your art and being successful. And I feel like sometimes, like maybe that's what they're trying to prove is like my side, but that's not what I got from it. And so I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like,
1: I'll give you my impassioned defensive whiplash (laughs) off mic. Uh, (laughs)
0: Because I did not like it, even though I know it's objectively good. Like, I don't think I appreciate that that movie is out in the world. I think, I don't know. It depends what you mean by appreciate. Like, I'm like, I think the world would be fine without it, even though it's so good. And that's why I don't appreciate it. But there are other ones that I don't hate as strongly that I'm like, I didn't love it, but someone would. This one, I'm just like, I don't care. I hate it. so. I yeah. don't, no
1: one should watch this. No one should like it. I think that's how I feel about being John Malkovich, the, yeah. the former thing that you said. like mm-hmm. It's out in the world, and I think somebody probably enjoys it and appreciates it. Yes. And I even notice like, the butterfly effect that it had, because it was written by Charlie Kaufman, who then went on to do one of my favorite movies, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. He might not have been able to make that movie if it wasn't for being John Malkovich, being what it was. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that movie was Oscar-nominated. Um, at least his screenplay, I'm pretty sure it was, and so it clearly worked on some people, just not yeah. on me. <laughs> and Whiplash obviously like won a couple Oscars, so mm. um, it worked for some people. It works for me. <laughs> yeah. Every every man my age, <laughs> <laughs> Damien Chazelle is the new Scorsese. Yes.
0: but on the opposite end of that, what is something that you Absolutely love that you know is terrible, and you know there's someone out there who likes movie who hates that this movie exists.
1: Yep. Oh, I have the perfect answer. Uh, The Babysitter 2, Killer Queen. i have seen it coming (laughs) on Netflix. (laughs) I know I've told like so many people about this movie. I remember watching this the first time. Like, me and my brother wanted to watch a movie. We hopped on Netflix and the trailer auto-played, and I was like. We should watch, like, the, for whatever reason, like, the stupidity of the trailer just hit me. I had never seen the first Babysitter movie, neither had my brother, mm. but we watched it and just laughed our butts off. It had the best time, and to me, it, it hits every time, even though I know, like, it is not a well-directed movie. The script <laughs> is terrible, oh,
0: yeah. um,
1: like, storytelling-wise, just, like, plot holes everywhere, Yeah, but, man, just, like... The the terrible jokes, <laughs> even in the context of the movie, are just like it's I I wish I could put into words the the sheer joy I get from watching mm. this movie that I recognize is bad. Yes. You know, it's clearly like not put like the care in that a lot of movies really take. Uh like the tension is not necessarily well built, mm. but the release of the tension with some jokes that are really corny and stupid yes. and vulgar at times. <laughs> I just love it so much. I've, I've seen the movie like probably five times by now. Oh, yeah. And I'll probably watch it again this year. <laughs> I Because I even, it's almost in spite of how objectively bad it is, mm. like down to most of the acting, Bella Thorne is in it. Yo, phoning it in <laughs> oh man uh samara weaving reprises her role from the first babysitter which i've mm-hmm. not seen uh you still haven't scene. seen the
0: first one no i'm not
1: going to oh, my goodness! <laughs> i don't want anything to ruin how i feel about the second babysitter okay understood, understood. this i love this movie <laughs> so much but it's so bad at the same time yeah. so yeah like i think when it comes to this i mean you know even like character wise the characters are just fun like it's it's a bad movie but yeah. like just the silliness like the calamity i yeah. just i just love it it just brings me so much
0: joy there are worse movies out there but yeah that one is definitely very fun i did watch the first and second one by your recommendation um, and i also love them so if you haven't seen it and you just need to have a fun stupid time
1: if you just had watch like, the second
0: one first apparently and yeah. then watch
1: the first one if you just had like if you're coming off a crappy day or a crappy week it is so fun. Want like just a release? <laughs> yeah. Watch the babysitter too.
0: It's like a feel good movie, but everything about it is terrible. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's all you need to
1: know. Yep, <laughs> I think that's pretty fair.
0: My subjectively good, objectively bad, is a very a very popular. I think most people would say this twilight the first one specifically because i will fight until the end of my life to prove that three through five are objectively great movies but that's a different conversation
1: <laughs> a separate um, podcast.
0: the first movie i know is objectively bad um but man there is a reason people obsess over it it is yeah. so fun it is so uh 2000s it's so nostalgic it's like every stupid romance trope you could ever ask for and it's terrible the filming is terrible the (laughs) blue tint you know a style but nonetheless is pretty terrible um there's better blue tints out there i think it was a good style choice but could have been done better the acting is so bad the not even the acting, but like the delivery of the lines, yeah. the the right like it's a bad movie. We all know it. I hate to say it. But like it has, I think four stars on my letterbox because I love it so much. I yeah. watch it anytime I'm sad, I watch it anytime I'm happy. It's just like, I mean, I guess like subjectively, whenever it becomes like a comfort movie that's when it like crosses the threshold of I just throw objective out the door. I'm like, I don't care. I can have a good time no matter what, no matter where I'm at yeah. watching this movie. And I therefore understand. it's going to, it's going to, I'm going to care more about that than the objective.
1: And sometimes like all you need is a movie just is, I mean, I think of like, you know, I'm, I'm saying like 10 things I hate about you, the mm. Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, <laughs> 90s rom-com does that for me. Just makes me happy. makes me feel good. I know it's not that yeah. Or Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> one day I'm going to do, like, just explain why I love this movie. Because it's not that great. I mean, it's a fine movie. But yeah. I love it mm. so much. And it just makes me happy. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, it's. I mean, I it's at the point where I just, I can kind of throw, I acknowledge objectively that it is yes. a weaker film than a yes. lot of the other ones in the Marvel universe. But I love it! Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then on the inverse side of that besides just whiplash and being john malkovich do you have any others that you like acknowledge are objectively well done but maybe you don't appreciate or you don't enjoy
0: um i think a lot of
1: war movies
0: Mm. um war is just that one thing that like i just don't like watching not even because like it's sad but i just don't think it's interesting i just feel like they're all kind of the same this is a hot take Um, I think like you watch a war movie and like I don't even I feel like I've seen so many that it is like no longer the main oh my gosh how do I say this in a way that doesn't make people like absolutely hate me like (laughs) the main thing pushing it is your emotions and if you've seen one war movie and you expect the drastic gore that you're about to see and the situations people are going to be put in and you expect it it just kind of is a war movie and i get very bored um so i think any like like 1917
1: yeah
0: objectively amazing i oh, yeah. lo- i like i that's like it's kind of in the middle for me i love that movie i will watch it multiple times um cuz it has enough story that's not all war but yeah. it is still a war movie and it's like oh he saw his friend get shot you know All of the friends get shot in (laughs) the horror movies. same
1: things happen. It just, yeah,
0: yeah, it just can't be as interesting as I would want it to be. Maybe like the the first few that I saw, I was like, this is amazing. This is hitting everything that I needed. And then you watch enough of them. I think horror is almost getting that point with me as well. I've seen so much of it that it's, um, maybe that's my own fault for watching too many. But it gets to a point where it's like, all right, I need something new.
1: To me, I think Um, uh, genre-wise, studio comedies do not work for me. Yeah. Like anything with Jonah Hill or Seth Rogen or
0: (laughs) even (laughs) Zac
1: Efron, uh, James Franco. Mm. Like if you look at those guys or like bridesmaids, to me, like studio comedies like that just don't work. There aren't really any that I enjoy. And I've watched a few and I've like seen clips from more. I also have never seen Super Bad, which I know is kind of the pinnacle of those. So maybe mm. Super Bad is good, but mm. every other one that I've seen, <laughs> like to me, I can—I understand why. Like they're funny jokes, it just does not flame for me. Yeah, yeah. I think also Heat is like probably one of my hottest film takes. Yes. Because I love uh, hottest, hottest <laughs> not to, Yeah. Um, no notes on that joke. Uh, <laughs> because I love crime movies. Crime movies is probably like one of like top three genre of all time for me. And so when I went to watch Heat, I was unbelievable. I was like, crime movie, Robert De Niro, mm. Al Pacino, Val Kilmer. Like, yeah. give it to me. It's got everything it needs. It's got everything it needs. It's <laughs> like a cop and a criminal. And they're like, kind of like playing this cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. Cool heists, interesting, supposedly interesting characters. Great sound, score, soundtrack. Great track, score. The, the, the score music. The
0: part oh, so good.
1: But gosh, I just did not get it. Yeah. It was slow and it was boring, and I was like, <laughs> "I should love Heat. Heat on paper should be like my favorite movie." Of all time. Yeah. And gosh, it just, just does not do land. It just did not do it for me. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah,
0: that's I, a great example. Yeah.
1: Got one last question to ask?
0: Yes. Um. I think comparing movies, film, objectively, subjectively um has me thinking a lot about just art in -hmm. general and like what it's made for um I don't make a lot of art personally but
1: um what are you talking about we make the no notes podcast you're right you're
0: so sorry it's like you know exactly that's a great example like we put this out there in the world for people to judge and I don't really know where I'm going this with this other than like there's paintings that you can look at that you can kind of look at the same way it's like objectively this is great the strokes are all where they need to be and I don't know a lot about painting and the colors (laughs) are all where they need to be (laughs) you know they stayed in the lines or
1: whatever
0: (laughs) but like you look at a piece of art whether it's film or a song or anything and it's just either you like it or you don't and it's it's crazy how quick people come to a decision like you look at a painting for half a second and you either like it or you don't you either like feel something about it or you don't and that has so much to do with both ends of the objective and the subjective and a lot of times, for people who don't really care about the objective it's still there and it still matters to them even if they don't know it yeah so
1: I think like it comes down to the ultimate question of is beauty in the eye of the beholder oh yes you know like I feel like this is going to be the debate until the end of time, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so easy to say, you know, oh, like I find this thing to be, it's so easy to get into relativism. Mm-hmm. I find this thing beautiful. It's okay if you don't, but I think it is. Yeah. Um, because to me, and we don't have to get into like a heady worldview discussion on our movie podcast <laughs> here, but you know, I think there has, you know, there has to be some standard of what is beautiful in the world. Mm-hmm. There has to be some standard of like, this is good art or this is not good art uh and i i don't know what that is i have a few theories um but uh i think at the end of the day you know i went to the high museum a few weeks ago uh and third like i was just really taken with some beautiful pieces of art and then at the high museum of art in atlanta um uh, where we live there's also just this giant red curve <laughs> and i i hate this thing I think mm. it's disgusting. <laughs> it's literally just a piece of canvas. Yeah. That's in like it's curved on the top and then it's got two lines and it's like this supposed to be this like piece of, you know, modern expressionist artwork but if you read the little inscription it's basically just one big nothing and everyone treats it like it's something and i just i don't understand (laughs) and i feel like maybe there is something beautiful in the red curve but i don't think so um i think this is just (laughs) a piece of canvas that somebody painted red and sold to the atlanta (laughs) high museum of art for a billion dollars and like called it a day but i could do that yeah i mean this really has skill involved um and so i I think... think when it comes to you know objective or subjective I think skill come, is a part of it that you want to talk about. Mm. You know, how skillfully done were those brushstrokes? How skillfully edited was this movie? How, you know, skillfully played was this song on guitar? Uh, you know, is it something that is, is like, merited, you know? Because yeah. uh, at the end of the day, like, I can enjoy or not enjoy the colors of a painting. But then I can also recognize... The talent that it took to put into it, mm. I cannot enjoy heat and appreciate the talent <laughs> that it took for Al Pacino and Robert De Niro to act in that movie, mm. um, for whoever composed that score to, to do a really good job. Yeah. And so, and I can also acknowledge that a lot of the actors and the directors and the babysitter Killer Queen did not do a very <laughs> good job, but I still like it. You know, it's, a, it's, you know, yeah. There's, I feel like there's got to be some measure of objective quality that goes into any piece of art um
0: so i was about to say the opposite yeah of like as badly as everyone out there wants there to be an objectively good and objectively bad and you know when painting was a thing and painting realistic was incredible and it was what mattered and that was like what everyone wanted to be able to do well and then photography became a thing and then it was like oh we want to see you with style and I think I think art will never truly be objective it's just impossible as much as you want to put it into like it's very natural for people to be like you know give it a grade give it a put it in a system and count all the numbers up of what they did correctly and in the end it won't matter because it truly is just in the eye of the beholder that's why there's so many art pieces modern art pieces that are nothing that take not a lot of skill that people still love whether right, it's
1: yeah. people appreciate for the a good reason
0: or because someone told them to and they wanted to spend money on something you know <laughs> like they still in some way appreciate it and
1: at the end of the day people go to the high museum of art in atlanta and they, and they appreciate that the red curve and they're like there is beauty here yes. and i disagree i think it's objectively not <laughs> but uh but yeah. you know i guess uh, like at the yeah. end of the day just because i think i could cut a piece of canvas and paint it red yes uh doesn't mean that you know does it mean that what that guy did has no significance it's true i may think so but then Ooh. that's subjective um <laughs> yeah. so I think, yeah.
0: I think we all learned something here today. Uh, (laughs) Art means nothing. (laughs) And you could talk in circles forever. Everyone will always talk in circles about this subject. That's exactly what we
1: just did for the last five minutes. Yes. At the end of the day, Morgan and I disagree about this. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, those are Morgan and I's opinions. (laughs) Those are Morgan and I's opinions (laughs) And And at the end of the day,
0: it's all subjective. Um, Thanks for listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next week. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, my goodness. (laughs)